This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joined with us over in Appleton and Stevens Point, and let's Recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning here at Celebration Church. And again, good morning to those and our campus is over in Appleton and Stevens Point over there. Uh, we are continuing our series on it, that verse that you just saw at the end on the video there. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. We're going to pick that up in just, just a minute. We want to, uh, everybody here heard about it, but for the rest of you, it is Pastor Keith's 50th birthday today. Give it up for Pastor Keith. He is a sterling example of aging gracefully. I someday, when I turn 50, hope to be so wonderful. We're bringing our Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage seminar back to central Wisconsin in Green Bay. Uh, so excited about coming back here. Every few years, we bring it back again. If you've never been to one, you really ought to come. It's a lot of fun. If you've been in the past, they always change a little bit. And, uh, and you want to come check it out. We are uh, going to be videotaping in hopes of replacing the current DVD that's being shown all over the world. We've tried it a couple of times, but always the first DVD was still so much better, so we just never made the change. But now I'm looking really different than I did <laughs> 10 years ago. You know, you get prettier every day, and then you got to change. So, so that's what we're going to be doing. So come, you want to be part of it? And maybe your face will be splattered all around the world as we uh, promote this thing. It'll be a lot of fun. So come check it out. Uh, unless, you know, you're wanted by the FBI, you might want to stay out in case your face gets splattered all over the place. Um, this morning, we have uh, some guests uh, with us today. I want to invite Daniel and Nora to come up here. Uh, they are from Bulgaria. And uh, we have known them for several years now. This is the third year that they've come to spend time with us. You know, I'm with you guys, and I look like a hobbit. You know what? You know, I looked tall until they came up. You know what I'm saying? On the video, didn't I look tall? And then they came and like shrunk, like 10 feet. So, uh, but anyway, they, they, they come and spend time with us. And uh, last year, you had 
when your baby's with you, right? That was, that was a lot of fun. So anyway, they're back again this year, and uh, I said, listen, we're doing this series on forgiveness. Uh, would you join with us and, and, and take this this morning? And he said that he would, so we're going to be hearing from him. Great message. You're going to hear just a minute of it. The other cameras didn't see it, but he's also an incredible piano player. He was playing keyboards this morning with our worship team here, and it's good. Uh, if you get a chance to check out some of his stuff on YouTube, it's really good. It's, it's disgusting. So anyway... <laughs> He's not as pretty as the organ player, but he was really, really good. So anyway, let's welcome Daniel this morning as he brings the word to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for your invitation. We're privileged to be here. I'm uh, also blessed to be able to travel with my lovely wife. We have been married for almost nine years, and we are blessed with, yes. We're blessed to have three wonderful kids. Yeah, here they are, ages seven, five, and three. It's fun in our house. And we lead a church in Bulgaria and a church movement. And also three years ago, we started an online talk show teaching on marriage, dating, and relationships. And uh, as of today, we're reaching Bulgarians in 60 nations in the world. Technology is amazing today, yeah? But God is even more amazing. And uh, honestly, we were actually uh, partially inspired by what Pastor Mark Gunger is doing in his ministry. So um, Bulgaria really needs a, a healthy and uh, actually sincere message about the topic of dating, marriage, and relationships. So we were blessed uh, to get married together with my wife, and even today, we. We consider our marriage to be the biggest success of our lives. And we saw so many people around us who struggle in those areas. So we thought maybe, maybe we should do something about it. And uh, hearing Pastor Mark's seminar, if you haven't heard it, uh, you should hear it because it's life-changing. And also listening to his podcast was inspiration for us to start our ministry. And we have been amazed to see how people's lives are changed by what we do. And what God does through us, we have stories of saved marriages, single people creating healthy families, people with same-sex attraction being delivered and restored. And it is amazing what God can do through your life when you decide to give your life in service of the kingdom of God. Uh, so I just want you to know that uh, what happens here in your church, what God is doing in this church and what God is doing through Pastor Mark's ministry is impacting the world in ways you will probably never realize on this earth, but I hope that you appreciate the blessing you have to be a part of this amazing church, and I hope you appreciate the gift God has given you uh, in the face of Pastor Mark Gunger. Yes. That's good preaching. <laughs> he didn't pay me to say that. Uh, so, a little bit about my story. Uh, my story starts in the 1930s, and no, I'm not that old, <laughs> nor have I found the fountain of youth. But my great-grandmother became a Christian in the 1930s. And she was a simple lady. She started going to church. My great-grandfather did not believe in Jesus, so one night after church, she came back, and he was a little drunk. He was waiting for her with a gun in his hand. 
And he put the gun to her head and said, you give up Jesus now or I'll shoot you right here. And she looked him in the eyes and said, you can do with me whatever you want, but I will not give up Jesus. He thought for a few seconds, lowered the gun, went in the other room, and he never stopped her in her faith in Christ. And thank God, six months before he died, he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and now we know that he is in heaven rejoicing with the angels in the presence of the Lord. Yes. But why am I telling this story? Because I'm thinking, what would have happened if my great-grandmother did not remain faithful to Jesus? And do you realize that because of her decision, I'm actually standing here today? You see, we often think that our decisions are just private, personal decisions. Oh, this is just about me. It's about my life, and especially when it comes to faith. In, in, in this individualistic age we live in, people are like, oh, faith is personal. It's just between me and God. What I decide about my faith is between me and God. But you see, my, my grandmother is not alive today, but her decision still impacts generations after her and nations. Very often we think that our decisions concern just us, but our decisions impact people around us. They may even impact nations and generation behind us because our private decisions cause public results. Our private decisions cause public results. And we often actually may feel even if it's insignificant, and we may feel I'm just a regular person doing a regular job, having a regular family. I don't make such a difference. But let me tell you, my grandmother, great-grandmother, was a regular person. She wasn't even educated. But her decision is still impacting today nations and generations. And this is the beauty, actually, of Christian life. Because God can take ordinary people like us and do extraordinary things through our lives. Whenever we devote our lives to him, he can do much more than we have even imagined or dreamed. And then communism came after World War II. Life became very hard. Um, it was uh, pure slavery, actually, because communism usurps every single area of life. They usurp economy, politics, press. Uh, they tell you what to think, where to work, how to have your life, what you can buy, what you cannot buy, whether you can travel outside of your country or not, what city to live in, like really, really slavery. And it was, there were some strange things about living in communism. For example, you couldn't just walk in a car dealership and buy a car, even if you had the money. If you wanted to buy a car, you had to go and register and they give you a special number and you usually had to wait about 10 to 15 years until this number comes up. And then they invite you to go and buy a car, which is pretty much, you choose between about 10 models made in Russia. So there's this story about this guy that uh, went and he registered for a car and they gave him a number and they told him, well, in 15 years, on this day, come and pick your car. He said, well, should I come in the morning or in the afternoon? And they were like, what does it matter? He said, well, the plumber said he was coming in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so living in communism was, was not, not a pleasant experience. But uh, it was really hard for Christians because Christians were persecuted. Pastors and Christians were imprisoned, killed, tortured for their faith. 
It was illegal to have Bibles in Bulgaria, especially in the beginning of communism. Maybe just the pastors had Bibles, and young people would go to the pastor and say, Pastor, can I, can I have your Bible for a day? He says, no, no, I can't give you my Bible because this is the only thing I'm studying from, and I have to prepare my sermons. And then the young people said, well, just give us the Bible for the night, and we will return it in the morning. And they would do that for months and rewrite the Bible so they can read it. That was how hungry they were for the word. And today, we've got the Bible on our tablets, on our phones. We have gazillions of translations. But we, do, we don't realize the potential it has to change our lives, and we don't read it. It's sad. But uh, at one point, Christians from abroad started smuggling Bibles in the country, and my dad and my grandfather, they were both heavily involved in smuggling Bibles, and they can tell you stories that sound like action movies. But their faithfulness and their devotion to ministry and to the work of God is, is the foundation of my life today. I'm stepping on their shoulders, on the shoulders of heroes of faith, and the reason I can do what I do today is because there were people that said, we're gonna even risk our lives for the gospel. So after communism collapsed in 1989, people were really hungry for the gospel and our family was heavily involved in doing mass evangelistic crusades all around the country. We saw the supernatural power of God re uh, released. People were healed and thousands of people were getting saved. Well, this changed in 1993, so there was a window of opportunity for our nations. And we, we experienced revival in our nation during these three years. Uh, then the atmosphere began to be much harder to reach people for Christ, but we're still there, still being, building the kingdom of God, and out of this ministry, we actually, my parents started a church which um, grew into a movement of churches in Bulgaria, and uh, so we are blessed to serve God in the nation of Bulgaria, in the kingdom of God. And this morning, as Pastor Mark told you, uh, I would like to share a few thoughts on the topic of forgiveness, and uh, we'll like to start with a passage from Hebrew chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. And it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And our Bulgarian translation says, infect many. I really like that word. But one of the biggest traps of Satan that I see using in the church is bitterness, unforgiveness, to make a stake an offense. And when you are bitter, it's like poison that poisons your life, but it poisons others, it poisons your relationships, it destroys the relationships, it alienates people from each other, it destroys even marriages, it destroys churches, and offense by itself is not dangerous. People will always say and do things that will offend us, that will hurt us, but it becomes dangerous when you decide to live in that bitterness, when you decide to live in that offense, then we become infected with poison that starts destroying us, but it also starts infecting other people. And this is why the verse says that the roots of bitterness will infect many people. It's that powerful. And how we decide to deal with bitterness is a decision that will impact many. As I said earlier, our private decisions have public ramifications. And what is bitterness? What is, what is taking an offense? It is when somebody does or says something hurtful to you and you begin to live in that hurt. You reminisce on it, 
You reminisce on what they did and what they said, and every time you think of it, you relive it. You relive that pain, and you hold, uh, you hold accountable that person for what it did. You want him to pay. You want her to pay for what they said. And we can't avoid being hurt because this is part of life, but we are the people that can decide what to do with the pain, what to do with the offense, whether we will live with it, whether we will allow the roots of bitterness to grow in us or not. And when we live in bitterness, it starts to dictate our decisions, our attitude, how we see people, it impacts our relationships, and actually it becomes the grid through which we begin to filter life around us. Is the filter we start seeing people through. We interpret what they say to us. And actually, when you meet uh, bitter people, we usually call them super sensitive, but they are basically bitter people who have hurt in their lives. They easily misinterpret even innocent things you tell them as an attack against them. You may have the best attitude towards them. You can be kind and nice, but because they look to you through that grid, they will say, oh, you're just hypocritical. It's like they expect to be heard. They position themselves in a, in, a, in a way that they will be heard. It's like they're causing other people to hurt them, and then they use this as a justification to feel bitter. And they say, I have a right to feel bitter. That's why we say that hurt people hurt others, and bitter people bring bitterness to our lives. This is why bitter people have a very hard time sustaining functional and healthy relationships. Because bitterness is poison. It poisons our happiness. It destroys our relationships. And there's so many marriages destroyed because spouses allow bitterness to take root in their hearts. But also bitterness will destroy and it will literally bring death to the future and destiny God has for you because it's poison. And I'll never forget, I knew an old pastor who was a hero of faith. He did exploits during communism but because the church was growing under his leadership, at one point, the communists fired him, and he had to work as a construction worker until the end of his life. And he had every reason to be bitter, and sadly he was. He could never come across and go, go beyond the bitterness of how unjustly he was treated, and that what he loved to do in ministry was taken away from him. And even after communism collapsed in 1989, he was so bitter, and that bitterness affected every area of, life, of, of his life. It destroyed his relationship with his wife. I still, to this day, don't know how she found the grace to live with him. He destroyed his relationship with his parents, with his fellow workers, with his neighbors. It was a sad picture. And at the same time, we have an even more dramatic story in the Bible, but with a different outcome. And that's the story of Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer, and his dreams got him in trouble. His brothers hated him, and they said, we'll just kill him. But then they had a brighter idea. Let's just make money out of him and sell him in slavery. So they did. And he went to Egypt as a slave, and he had every reason to be bitter with his brothers. But he chose, he chose not to be. He said, I'm going to be the best slave there has ever been. And so he was. And because he was so good, his master actually at one point said, you're so good that you can rule over my house. And he was successful. But later, the master's wife wanted to sleep with him, but he was a man of integrity. He said no. And then she accused him for trying to rape her. And because of that lie, he ended up in prison for 12 years, and he had every right to be bitter. But then one day, one day, from the pit of prison, God raised him up 
and set him as a ruler of the whole Egyptian nation. Just because he refused to be bitter. And later when his brothers came to buy food from Egypt, they didn't know it was Joseph, their brother, who was the ruler. But at one point, it's a dramatic story, you gotta read it in Genesis. When he revealed himself to them, they thought now he's gonna punish us for what, he, what, for what we did to him. But he said, no, 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 guys. And the, the, the way we understand that Joseph was not bitter is when he says the words, it is not you that sent me here. It was God that sent me here so I can save the nation and I can save my family. And I know that very often when people hurt us and say things against us, and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, oh, this sounds so good, but if you only knew what they did to me, if you only knew what they told me, and maybe you have an absolute right to feel bitter, or maybe you think you have the right to feel bitter. But let me tell you, God wants us to have a different life. God wants us to be free. God wants us to fly. God wants us to run and do amazing things that go beyond our imagination. He says, I have a future and a hope for you. And what we learn from the story of Joseph is that nobody can take away your destiny and your future. No man, no devil can take it away. The only person that can destroy it is you. If you decide to live in bitterness and pain, Again, people will always hurt us. They will do things that offend us, and especially in church. And don't let, let this slip your attention because this is really important. Many times when God places us in a place where he wants us to be, the devil will try to use offense and bitterness to take you out of there. You're here in this church because God wants to do things in your life through this church. But very soon, somebody will come and will say something or do something which will offend you. And the devil will try to use this trap to kick you out of that church. I just encourage you, don't become a victim of Satan. We are smarter than that. And tonight I want you to, to imagine, use your imagination to, to, to imagine that when people offend us, it's like they come to us and they put an offense in our hands. And imagine that offense is like a wooden log, you know those logs that they use to build fences? So imagine every time somebody offends you, he puts a log in your hands. And what the devil wants you to do with it is to take it and to stick it deep in your heart, to stick that log, to stick that offense, that bitterness deep in your heart, deep in your relationships. And then he wants you to revisit it regularly and think about it. And the more you think about it, the more you push it deeper and deeper in your heart. And it causes greater and greater pain. And then another offense comes. Then another person comes and puts another log in your hand. And then the devil wants you to go and put it next to the first one and stick it even deeper and deeper and deeper. And then another offense comes. And then another situation comes. And then the latter log comes. And you're putting offense after offense after offense, log after log after log. And after a while, after you have been pushing them deep and putting them one to, uh, next to another, you will realize that you have built a fence around you. Because you have allowed offenses to develop roots in your heart, you have built a fence around you. And you will realize you have become a prisoner of offenses. That's why in Proverbs 18, 19, it says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. You see, 
when we hold bitterness and unforgiveness towards people, we'll think, we're thinking we're, we're punishing them. We're isolating them. But actually, it is we who become prisoners. We isolate ourselves. We alienate ourselves from our spouses, from our friends, from our church, when we allow bitterness to take root in our hearts. And just, just think of how often this happens when spouses get bitter and when they don't deal with those issues for years. And after years, they turn around and they realize they're in a prison because they have built a fence and they're separated with their spouse. And then they begin to, to think, where did the love go? Where did the feelings go? Why aren't we talking anymore? It's because we have built a fence in our lives. But thank God, he has given us another way to deal with bitterness and offense. And if only we had an example of somebody who had every reason to be offended, who had every reason to be bitter, if only we had an example of somebody who had every reason to accuse us and to stay at a distance from us. But instead of doing that, he opened his arms and said, I want to have relationship with you. I want to make a way for you so you can be one with my father. And instead of being bitter as he was hanging on the cross, he was full of love and compassion. How do we know this? Because in the moment of greatest pain, he cried out, God, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And God has a word for you this morning. And if you want to overcome bitterness in your life, if you want to hit the reset button of your life, if you want to be able to start fresh in your relationship, you have to learn to do something very important. Are you ready to hear it? Every time someone hands you bitterness, every time somebody puts that log of, of, of hurt and pain in your hand, you will be tempted to go and stick it in your heart, in your relationship, and to, to, and, to, and to push it deep into your heart. But instead of that, God wants you to do something different. Every time you have a fence in your hand, you have to learn to let it go. Instead of sticking it deep into your heart, just let it go. This doesn't mean that we will allow people to abuse us or that what they did to us wasn't wrong. But after we talk about it, after we clarify who said what and who did what and why he did it, we have to learn to let it go. We have to learn to forgive because we can't control what people will hand us. We can't control what people will put in our hands, but we can choose what to do with it. And do you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to learn to let it go. You can't control how people will act towards you. You can't control what people will say about you. And the enemy wants you to take those words and those actions and, and use them as an offense that you will stick deeper and deeper in your heart. But God says, let it go. And Jesus says this is so important that even God will not forgive us if we don't let it go. Peter says this is so important that even if you have a conflict with your wife or your spouse, unless we resolve it, God will not hear our prayers. Unless we let it go, God will not hear our prayers. So what are you going to do next time when people don't appreciate you the way you want them to appreciate you? You gotta let it go. 
What are you going to do when next time people don't love you the way you think you should be loved? You let it go. God has a word for you this morning. And he says if you want to live in freedom, if you want to fly, if you want to live in the destiny of God for your life, you have to learn to let it go. And friends, the truth is that the success of every relationship in our lives, actually the success of our lives, is determined by how quickly we can let go. Let's pray. If this morning you're listening and you know that you're fighting with bitterness and hurt towards somebody and you, you want to find freedom, I want to lead you in this prayer. So just repeat this prayer after me and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for allowing bitterness to grow inside of me. I repent of every unforgiveness. I admit that it's very hard but I decide to forgive this person and actually think of him and, and even say, I, I decide to forgive John or Lucian or whatever his name is. And just say, in spite of what I feel, I choose to walk in forgiveness. I lay my pain before your feet and ask you to heal my heart. I will not be controlled by bitterness. I leave it in the past and I proclaim my freedom today. And just say with faith, I am free in Jesus. Let's clap to Jesus. God bless you guys.